Hello everyone and welcome back to the Clone Star Podcast. I am your host, Joe Hurley. And I am your co-host, Linguo, the grammar robot. <laughs> also known as Sean Ferrick. This week we're joined by special guest, uh, my, my good friend and next generation aficionado, Barry Pierce. Barry, welcome. Hello, thank you. Um, I, I may have mispronounced your name as Barry Pierce rather than Barry Pierce. I'm uh, so sorry, Barry. I'm it's laughing at Lingo. It's all the same, exactly. <laughs> um, no, thank, thanks for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to debating some Star Trek. Um, this week, so last week, sorry, we discussed the next generation films, which unfortunately didn't kind of land as much as we all hoped they would. But what we're going to do this week is we're going to discuss the next generation in overall sense. And we've got some different questions we're going to ask and we're all going to have our own different opinions. So what I'm going to do is, Barry, as you are our guest on the podcast, I'm going to start off and ask you the first question, which is how do you rate the next generation? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... um... I, I don't make it any secret of it that I'm not a, a massive Star Trek fan. I'm a massive Next Generation fan. Um, you know, like I've tried, I, I kind of was brought up on the original series. Uh, I dipped in and out of Deep Space Nine and Voyager and nothing really grabbed me uh, apart from the Next Generation. And if, for me, it's it's almost TV perfection. It's like lightning in a bottle. You, you know what I mean? It, it was one of these uh, rare occurrences where um it's like it's better than the sum of its parts um and and it, it kind of is, it's something that really deserves the praise that it gets um and it, it's something that really you know should always be mentioned when you're talking about like the greatest not just sci-fi tv shows but uh tv shows of you know throughout throughout the ages um yeah i i mean it's just it's, it's kind of elevated as well. I, I think I watched, have you guys ever watched the, you know, the guy that does the uh, Honest Traders? Have you ever seen that yes. guy on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, he, him, yeah. He, yeah. He did a very good one for the next generation. And one of the things I always remember him saying is something, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like, um, with acting that's way, way above what the TV show deserved it to be. <laughs> um, as in, you know, there's just some performances in there um, that are, are just um you know patrick stewart in particular he, he and i think he, he elevated the rest of the cast but there's just uh there's some some performances in there that really have no right to be in a sci-fi tv show um but yeah for me it's it's just one of the it's one of those shows that i can always go back to um and it, it really is just um it's it's almost like i said it's, it's tv perfection almost you know i i couldn't i couldn't think of any way to improve on it it's just you know that's great. <laughs> Sean, what about you? It's awful. <laughs> just, just... <laughs> My God, it's so crap. <laughs> uh, just, I, every single, I mean, all of the episodes were just a slog. No, um, uh, Barry, you put it beautifully. It is it is one of the greatest sci-fi television shows to date. Um, I, I have a controversial opinion that we'll get into later on. Mm. Um, but uh, certainly the act... It, it came at a time when it was given a chance to grow because we obviously talked about this at length that season one was rough. And I did like <laughs> there's uh, it is by no means is it a, a new groundbreaking review. I've just given season one. Sean, what do you mean? You don't like season <laughs> one? Oh, my goodness. Um, but it was thankfully it was given 
the chance to get better, which it did by season two, which we covered again. And then by season three it kind of becomes the next generation that we all sort of know and love. Hmm. Um, and, you know, from that, it's one of the most philosophical sci-fi shows on television. Um, it benefited from going straight to syndication, which means everyone could see it pretty much straight away. Um, it's, has benefited massively from the remaster, but it looks good anyway. I mean, this was, I say this with all due respect, this was a 1987 show that was a spin-off from a show that had been cancelled 20 years before. Yeah. It, was no, it had no reason to look as good as it did. Um, and it looked fantastic. Now, obviously, it had the benefit of like the movies have been doing well, and there was an amazing uh, cast of creators behind the scenes um, and then, you know, the beautiful design of the ship, uh, Andrew Probert obviously designed that. And it just, you know, it looks great. Um, some episodes are, they will always turn up on a list of, you know, greatest TV moments ever or, you know, greatest achievements in fucking cliffhangers ever. Excuse my French. Um, and it's very, very good. And then there are the other episodes as well, which I think, even with a couple of exceptions, even the bad episodes of Next Generation tend to be looked at lovingly. Uh, mm. More so even than some of the original series bad episodes, which we've had the most time to have nostalgia about them. And some of them do work with nostalgia and some of them are just like, we just won't talk about that. <laughs> yeah, plenty in season three of the original series that go along with that. Oh, it's actually funny. Enough, as of the recording of this, I've just challenged a, a buddy of mine. We're, we're doing a uh, podcast next week we, where we have to, uh, you know, think of some gentle fixes for episodes. I challenged him to and the children shall lead. Oh, He's dear. so annoyed at me, Sean. He's so annoyed at me. <laughs> Why would you do such a thing, Sean? Like that, that episode is TV perfection. Like, I just don't think he made me do these are the voyages. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! So yeah, so I, I I have no idea what the question was, whether I answered it or not. But uh, yes, uh, next gen, bloody good show. Um, Joe? for me, I I always think back to the book. I think it's called "Is It the Continuing Mission?" I think it was the retrospective they made on the Next Generation, and like you know, having you know, this is back in the days when there was no internet and things like that, and you had to actually, you know, read books to find out what was going on. And it was really interesting to kind of, you know, read at the time when The Next Gen came onto TV. There was no science fiction, really, by and large, on television. And it kind of kick-started, you know, a massive renaissance in it. Uh, was V not out around that time? Do you remember V? But again, even if it was, that's still not a whole lot going on. Do you know what I mean? Like, like you, yeah. could, you could pick maybe a handful of shows at the time quantum leap i'm just gonna i'm gonna t- i'm gonna rip this this point apart <laughs> quantum leap was really big I, I think there was tv i think there were sci-fi shows in the late 80s that were quite popular but i don't think i think you're right in that i don't think there was many that were like set in space and maybe yes. that's where star trek stood out well george you can do i'm gonna i'm gonna send actually wait a second i'm not gonna send you a copy of the book because i bought you the you, book yes, it's inside your book. bookshelf yes. inside, and i don't think you've read that <laughs> book you would, yet if you would just turn your head slightly to the right sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're asking a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> um and like i it's just you know it started like as we know it starts off incredibly rocky but when it got into its stride as sean when we were doing the episodes we were trying to pick our five favorite episodes it was almost impossible every episode was then nearly an absolute you know bona fide classic from the third season kind of onwards like for me it's like it's tied with the original series as the best two star trek series i think 
for me, as we've discussed before, the original series is just an absolute phenomenal uh, achievement. Like, take out the third season, of course. And then you have the next generation. Like, you know, I've, I've watched DS9, I've watched Voyager. I, I really enjoy both of them. But there's just something else about the next generation that just sets it completely apart. Um, maybe just from a kind of storytelling perspective with its individual storylines and things like that. And obviously the performances of Patrick Stewart are completely off the charts. I'd find, I'd just find it easier sitting down and re-watching, say, The Next Generation than I would kind of watching any other kind of series. Actually, that leads me into another question I'm going to ask really fast of you both. If you were to do a Next Generation rewatch, and I suppose, Barry, this really is pointed at you first because you oh, watch yeah. it every time, right? Yeah. Where do you start your rewatch from? Uh-huh. Do you start it from Encounter or Farpoint, or where do you start that's, it that's from? That's a good question. Uh I would say, and and this isn't an exaggeration. I'd say over the last seven years, I'm on I'm on my seventh rewatch. Like once a year, I go through the the series, and it really is. A, a, it, it kind of depends how I feel the day after I watch all good things. I'm like, do <laughs> I do I feel like Encounter at Farpoint? Um, and sometimes I do. Like this time, I actually have gone back. I watched Encounter uh, at Farpoint. Um, I think on Sunday I watched it. And it's it's very it's it, it's always interesting going from something like All Good Things, which is, uh, in my opinion, it's one of the best finales. But but the show, like by that point, I mean, it had run its course. But you go back to Encounter at Farpoint and even just subtle little things like the bridge, the, the ambient sound in the bridge. It sounds like a, it sounds like a soundstage, a big empty room, as yeah. opposed to to like in later seasons when it, it sounds like. You know, well, I can't say it sounds like a starship. I've never been on a starship. It sounds like what I think a starship would sound like. <laughs> you got to have a chat with Jeff Bezos. He can, he can sort you out. shouldn't I, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think more often than not, I would skip straight into season two. I, I don't, I like season one, like we, you, Sean, you mentioned, it's a bit of a slog. Um, and it, it's it's interesting. Like I watch it more just to, to watch the um, how the show evolves, we'll say because it kind of starts to find its feet in season two. Um, but when I'm watching season one, there's there's one or two questionable episodes. Um, but it is interesting seeing, like, it's it's like, I don't know, it's like the, fir- the first stage of the characters, if, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. so I don't know if that answered your question, Show Basically, uh, I, I would say most of the time I skip season one, but sometimes I just nip in just to see how it's doing. What about you, Sean? I was just going to, sorry, just, could we have a theme where every time show asks a question, we just veer off <laughs> yeah, exactly. another answer? <laughs> We're not paying attention to you anymore, Mr. Host. We're going to do our own thing on this podcast. <laughs> sorry, show. Not sure if that answered your question, show, but glad you're still here. Yeah. Um, no, if I was doing a rewatch, because of, because of the nature of my work, I am very, very lucky that I get to review Star Trek a lot, but it means that I, I haven't sat down to do an episode by episode rewatch in a long long time i tend to cherry pick now what i try and do is pick the episodes i haven't seen in as often so yeah. like when we were going through season one obviously i was like great okay cool I, I can't remember my picks sorry but you know you know pick my few episodes more or less because i hadn't seen them in so long in fact i know i covered justice uh yes which is, you did yeah Ah, it's it's it sure is 40 minutes of television is what it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, just recently, actually, one thing I didn't watch on that rewatch was uh, We'll Always Have Paris. And I rewatched that recently and I was pleasantly surprised to go. This is actually pretty good. And that was season one next gen. But like that. So 
all right, to actually answer your question, if I was going to rewatch, I would, I would probably handpick the episodes of season one. I think based on our review of season two, I would actually sit down and go, no, we're going to do all the season two. Also, it's a shorter season. Mm. Um, and then, but there's just, there's just some episodes of season one. And it's like you said, Barry, this is people finding their feet, you know, it's, but do you know what? They have my loyalty. I don't need to prove yeah. that in 2022 <laughs> by making myself watch. I'm, I'm, Joe, I'm not sorry to say it. Encountered Farpoint is awful. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, yeah, it is. It isn't great. Um, like for me, like if I was doing the rewatch, I'd, I'd watch it from the very start. I'd go through it because we discussed it, Sean. We were going through the episode rewatch and we kind of said that what's good about watching season one is that you know it becomes a behemoth in the end you know it settles down and it becomes absolutely phenomenal so when you're watching season one you're kind of watching them try try to nail down the characters try to do different things here and there some stuff works and it stays and some stuff just absolutely doesn't work and it gets thrown out like i think you know when we were talking and we were doing the recap and we discussed skin of evil and i just kind of said i felt it was one of the first great Picard episodes and it's kind of as you know it's extremely shaky as season one is when you see like how Picard resolves the whole situation with a speech against Armas and it's absolutely brilliant and it's that kind of thing I'm kind of there going if you leave out season one if you don't watch it you actually because you might say geez I remember that that's pretty poor but as you said Sean you might have watched it in so long you'd have forgotten about it and when you do watch it back, you suddenly remember going, oh, my God, that was actually good. Now, in fairness, that's not going to work for all episodes. Some of the episodes are absolutely dog rough. And we're not going to bring up Code of Honor under any circumstances. I was, I was actually going to mention that one. <laughs> no, you weren't. Um, could, can, you, can you imagine if that if that was released these days? Oh, my goodness. That, that, show, that show would have been shut down straight away. <laughs> do you know what we need to do? And Barry, sorry to put you on the spot here. So yes. myself and show, there is almost a recurring gag. We have never discussed Code of Honor. We'll never discuss this. Because it's so bad. But it's funny, right? Because I just read a review of it there the other day that it was was a a dead straight review that never (laughs) once mentioned the racism. It talked about how the fight scene looked badly choreographed. It uh, looked cheap. Uh, It looked like people were anticipating other people's lines. It basically went out of its way to not discuss the racism. And I thought, like, uh, uh, so th- th- here is an episode where you would be forgiven for giving a one-line review. It's it's a racist piece of shit. And yeah, I'm quoting, exactly. I think, Jonathan exactly. Frakes there. Yeah. Um, like, just, no, 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 you, you don't need to do, do anything else to discuss what yeah. episode is bad. It's bad. It's racist. Yeah, it is. I, I, I like, look, it's, 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 it's a hard watch. But like, like, like that review there, that's kind of like sitting in a room and someone saying, what is this large um, tusked animal behind? We don't talk about that. You know what I mean? We, we don't mention that. Um, you know You're what not I mean? talking about the walrus? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it is, it's one of the most racist pieces of t- television. Uh, and it's really of its time. Like you try, you know, I, can't, I could not imagine that being on, on TV. The funniest uh, thing is, I'm nearly certain I've only ever seen that episode fully once years ago, and I have I have very little record. I remember the fight at the end, and I think the mm. jujitsu kind of performance 
from the holodeck. I remember nothing else beyond that. And I don't really have a desire to go back and watch it at any point. Yeah. Well, you're not missing anything. I will say <laughs> it's one that I have seen quite a few times because we had it on VHS when I was a kid. So it was just like, oh, grand, you just watch it one, two, three. Um, and like there's bits and then memory alpha as well. So there's bits like, for example, the holodeck has no floor. It's just uh, a felt piece. So they hadn't extended the yellow lines onto the floor. Oh my of the God, holodeck really? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, to be like, that reviewer is right. They do look like they're just anticipating each other's moves and not in a clever choreographed fight kind of way. I mean, in no. a, oh, you're going this way. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'll go this way too. Like you can almost see them discussing it. Um, and, and funnily enough, the episode is actually visually referenced many times again, because that weapon that they use is in Worf's quarters. I think Worf keeps it because he remembers it was the first time he nearly got the security chief's job. <laughs> Damn it. Why didn't you work earlier? I'd have been security chief a year in advance. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he had to, you know, the amount of phone calls he had to put in to make sure Armas was on that planet. <laughs> Um, Actually, all right. well, well, oh, I don't know if you want to move on, but but just on on that, I I think that was one of the, the accident or, or one of these these things that happens for the benefit of the show that probably they didn't plan on happening, and that was Worf moving into that security chief role. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. Like because it opened up a far more like Worf's backstory and 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 some of the, the my favorite episodes involved playing on High Council and, and and everything that's got Garon. What I just love Garon's face. It's just it's it's his amazing. eyes are brilliant. His eyes are amazing. Glory to you, yeah. <laughs> your house. I just love Garon. He's brilliant. Um, but we would have been denied all. I don't think Worf would have would have been half the character or given half to the screen no. time if that didn't happen. If um, uh, and you're gonna kill me, show. I've just forgotten her name. What's her name? The actress. Oh, I'm not gonna say anything. This is uh, all on you now. This uh, is on if, you, Mister Next Generation. If if blonde girl, uh, blonde woman didn't decide that she didn't want to be in in the show anymore. Um, I can't remember her name. I'm terrible with names. I'll give, I'll give you the initials DC. Um, Dennis. Uh, no, dear. Yeah, uh, good old Dennis. Denise Dennis. Crosby. Yeah, very well done. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry to cut across you there, but I always thought that. I always thought because I know, uh, I don't think the plan was to do that, and then, um, it kind of worked out for the best for the betterment of the show a little bit. As you were mentioning Gowron there, I have to bring something up, and I don't understand why it's not more of a meme. We often talk about Gowron and his eyes and all that. And in the episode with Kalis, like the clone of Kalis yeah. coming back and mm. things like that, there's a line, you know, when Gowron is challenging him and Kalis is telling yet another story. And Kail- or Gowron kind of challenges him on it. And at one point he says, what color were his eyes? And Robert, Robert O'Reilly just completely bulges his eyes in the scene. And they're going, how are people not putting this down as meme? Because it's perfect in this situation. That's actually gas. I, I remember that scene now that you say it. I haven't thought about that in so long. Sean, that's God. your mission now. You've got to get a meme going on that now as soon as I'm you finish this on, podcast. I am on my way to see if I can source me a picture. Yeah. Get, it, get it on track core. It'll be there for uh, absolute certain. Um, okay, next question up. Um, Sean, we're going to go straight to you with this one. What cool. does the next generation mean to you? Um, it, I have a... It's a feeling of comfort. Uh-huh. Um, it's a feeling of family. Um, generally, it's a feeling of happiness. Obviously, there are sad episodes, but, you know... Um, there is... In some episodes, uh, specifically Tapestry, 
a feeling of massive inspiration. Um, you know, it's it's a simple, I mean, Tapestry is a simple story. It's basically, it's a wonderful life done by Star Trek. And yet, thanks to every element of it, including Patrick Stewart just being Patrick Stewart, uh, it's so motivating. It's like, look, you might make mistakes, but you don't know how it's going to end. So that's one thing. Um, I'm incredibly grateful that it exists because I, I don't think this is an exaggeration to say that if something had happened and the next generation never came along, there would be nothing else after. No. Because DS9 is not a spin-off of the original series. Do you know what I mean? Despite the fact, yes, we had that episode, Trials and Tribulations, things like that, but like DS9 is most certainly, it is a spin-off of a more grown-up franchise. Um, and, you know, even, even the movies, okay, yes to Star Trek VI, but again, that's made in the shadow of uh, The Next Generation, I feel. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm delighted it exists. I was very, it, it, uh, like I say, I know I, I said it already, benefited massively from the remaster because it kind of, you kind of feel like this is how it's meant to be seen. Um, there are some scenes, it's good fun as well, spotting them out there. You're just like, ooh, that, well, we weren't meant to see that. For example, that marking tape on the floor, you know, that, was, that was okay being blurred in the original version. Um, and Actually, like, when, now to say that, when Red and Reader, they were talking about some of their favorite episodes, they were talking about when they started watching the remasters, they started putting up screenshots of all these things, like you said, yeah. tape on the ground, cables and all this kind of thing. And they're going, oh my God, I would never have spotted that. That's it. There, there's a website online, Exastra Scientia, um, and there are there are people who work with that, and uh, it's just it's just fantastic the things that they spot. Uh, it, it's it's honestly it's great fun because it's not done with mean. Sometimes you're like, no, oh, is this just yeah. nitpicking? No, no, it's not. It's 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 not done with that. And that is one thing that um, again, next gen probably. I, th I think it would do very well against the nitpickers. And I, I, I have been the freeze framer, don't get me wrong, but because there's so much heart in it, I think you can forgive a lot of its mistakes. Um, even, uh, and we might discuss this in a bit, but even there are some episodes that the intentions were good. Uh, I'm not speaking about Code of Honor, of course, because the intentions <laughs> were not good behind Code of Honor. Um, but where the intentions were good and they just, they they swung and they missed. And yet Next Gen overall, I think, has proven itself to be, oh, for some reason I have chased in my heart here because uh, with, a, with the exception of Riker, nobody was getting laid. Um, <laughs> but actually, sorry, I beg your pardon, Data was fully functional, programmed in multiple techniques. Yep. Uh, himself and Dennis. <laughs> poor Dennis, old, poor old Dennis. Poor old Dennis. <laughs> Barry, what about you? Um, so it's, it's kind of similar sentiments. You, you know, there's there's a certain comfort you get from watching this show, and it's it, it's a show that also reminds me of of, of being a kid, um, and, and you know, coming home from school, uh, and having I don't know if you remember like back in the early nineties. Your, your mom would force feed you dinner at fucking four o'clock. You're like, it's too early for dinner. You're eating your dinner. It's made. And you'd watch Star Trek. Um, and obviously back then I liked it for very different reasons. It had a cool spaceship um, yeah. and the cool spaceship shot cool lasers. Awesome. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, there's that sort of comfort in watching it. 
but what I really what I really like about Star Trek The Next Generation and it's something that really missed I, I missed from Picard when I tried watching the Picard show um, was uh, this sense of optimism right and and I, mm. I really enjoy the idea of the world that the next generation has has created the backdrop of, of the world humanity has has almost um, completely got rid of the idea of maturity material wealth there's no poverty there's there's no hunger and there's a great episode and I can't remember the name of it now so you'll tell me I think it's in season two it's it's where uh, they they find uh, like four three or four cryogenically frozen people from like the 21st century season they, one is it is that a season one episode the, I mean, new, the neutral zone oh that's right it is actually yeah I think that's the first mention of the neutral zone is it uh, could be um, i think yeah in tng possibly in tng yeah yeah um and they find them and there's obviously there's that the, the stereotypical uh kind of uh narcissistic power hungry um, 1980s like, banker kind of guy like yeah and his first thing is uh, it's the 24th century and he's like i need to call my stockbroker <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> uh, okay uh but there's a great there's a great uh scene with him and picard and Picard is just getting fed up with him because he keeps he's like Picard's in the middle of the, like okay this is stressful we're going to the neutral zone uh, we need to focus on the mission and the guy's just like I need to talk to my banker he just keeps pinging him on the the, the public uh, intercom system and Picard just comes down to shut him up and he basically is like we don't care about any of that sort of thing anymore you know what what you and, he, and the guy asks him what do you what do you do and he's like we better ourselves and it's a great idea because so many TV shows based in the future you know so many sci-fi shows it, it, it always goes down this dystopian route you, you know the, the future's bleak um we have you know the government watches everything or else there's killer robots it's one, one or the other um <laughs> and like you like look at something like aliens you, you know what i mean like no no way would i like to live in that universe no way you get to work for well in dutani and that's about it no no thanks You've just started, Barry, you've just reminded me that I saw fantastic. So uh, we are recording this on the 2nd of June. So Pride Month has started and a lot of people are releasing kind of joke images of like fake corporation logos. And someone stored Wayland Yutani. The double is a uh, rainbow flag and the Y is the trans colours. And the amazing. logo is here at Wayland Yutani. We believe that the real power is inside you. Oh, that's very good. Ah, that's brilliant. That's like brilliant. That. That, like that. So sorry, I don't know who to credit for that, but just that is fantastic. That's, uh, that's, that's a company I'll work for. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they always, the future is always so bleak, but at Star Trek, it's the complete opposite. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's, it just, it gives this lovely optimistic view of the future where, where the main driver for humanity isn't, isn't the individualism. It's not, it's not a hoarding, it's not Bezos hoarding all the money and gold coins you can. It's it's just about bettering yourself. And I think there's just there's something so appealing to that. Um, so it's also that gives, you know, it does give you a sense of comfort. Uh, and for me, it kind of calms me down watching The Next Generation. This is why I was watching it in the evening before I got to bed. So so um, myself and Shao, we had worked in a in a in a, a stressful environment for a few years and and like getting home and watching star trek would like calm me down sort me out you know what i mean you forget about the day um and i suppose the other thing the other thing about it is when you see something like this and it kind of reminds me i I watched lord of the rings trilogy uh, recently again um after trying to watch the hobbit uh, a while ago and it kind of reminds me of that 
when you watch Star Trek The Next Generation and you watch some of the other the other shows or you watch Lord of the Rings against The Hobbit, you can tell that this was made by people who 100 percent loved uh, and, and believed in what they were doing. And they weren't just doing it for the sake of doing it. Or they weren't just doing it to, to make money or or whatever, whatever the reasons people might be motivated for. They really they really loved it. Uh, and you can tell that that care uh, is definitely maybe not in season one, but but for the majority of the show uh, and there again there's just something there's something very appealing about watching it's like a labor of love you know yeah. so yeah it's it's, it's awesome <laughs> um but you've kind of nailed everything there that i was gonna say um, well like, thanks very much everyone for coming <laughs> see you next week <laughs> <laughs> we're very well be here to <laughs> cover all the talking points the um i suppose like Barry, we're, we're, you know, so similar in age and things like that. And like, as you said, a lot of the memory is watching The Next Generation on Sky One at five o'clock every weekday. And um, like, yo, it was, The Next Generation was absolutely massive. Like, it can't be understated, especially here in Ireland, how flipping huge it was. Like, everybody watched it. People who, you know, like I was a nerd in school, would you believe? And even, no you know, even the jocks slash bullies, they watched The Next Generation. You went into a bookshop, like you have an entire section for Star Trek. You go into a toy shop, everything was there. It was just bloody everywhere. I think what's great about it as well is, you know, like I like this very, just like what you said, like I like a lot of it for kind of some of the surface level stuff when I was a kid because I didn't really get a lot of the nuance and kind of, you know, like the meaning behind it. And then as I've gotten older, I remember there was a period there for I think about three, four, five years. I just didn't watch any of it because I'd watched it too bloody much. And when I went back and I started watching it, and I was there going, Christ, this is actually even better than I remember it to be because I'd gotten a bit older, you know, I'd gone through a bit more life experience. And I was there going, geez, the next generation was nailing so much of it. Like there's, you mentioned Tapestry, Sean. And mm. like I often refer back to a line from Encounter at Farpoint and it's just at the... If you're watching it as a two-parter, it's the last line in part one. But if you're watching it as a full thing, it's just halfway through. And it's just after um, the cue appears on the view screen. And he basically says, Picard, basically you're wasting time. And Riker says, whatever to Picard. Picard says, and it's a brilliant line. It says, if we're to be damned, let's be damned for who we are. And The Next Generation was very much always, there were so many life lessons that are in it. It was one of the reasons when we discussed season two that I, I have such a huge kind of love for season two is because they really did kind of try to tap into the human side of it. Like, whereas the first season was, you know, a total mess. The second season, looking back at it now, there was so much, and it's it'll be something I'll discuss now in, in, a, in a while, where they talked about growth, development, personality, what it meant to be a Starfleet officer, what it meant to be a person, how to kind of better yourself and like Barry goes back to your point in terms of you know the positivity that it kind of tried to show that no matter how bad we could be that these people were always beyond that like when you look a lot of the times when the Enterprise would encounter you know other Starfleet officers especially admirals they were always assholes and it was always our crew were the you know always the consistent heroes they were always the nicest people that you'd kind of find and like Sean, you said about a sense of comfort and like, you know, like I'm, I, I'm not alone when I say this, like, you know, being bullied in school and things like that. And at times you go home and you be miserable. But what you do is you go home and you turn on the next generation and like these people transcended the screen. Like they weren't fictional characters. They were your friends. Like they were, you know, honest to God, there were people that you could actually feel that they were, they'd have you out no matter like 
what it, you know, whatever you were going through and things like that. Like Barry, if you remember when we met Jonathan Frakes, I remember just before we got up to him, I said to you and Jonathan, and I said, I said, this is so odd. I said, I said, we're meeting this guy. I said, for the first time, I said, but we've known him for 30 years. I said, it's actually like we're meeting a friend of ours for the first time. We've known him for so long, but we've never just had a chance to actually, you know, sit down and actually talk to him. And that's kind of, you know, what it always meant to me. And like, when you look at measure of a man as well, that's the last thing I'll say because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm completely waxing lyrical about it. Mm-hmm. And there's a, you know, phenomenal line at the end of it. Again, it's, you know, so much of rationalization that exists in my life is because of the next generation. And at the end of measure of a man, again, we discussed this when we discussed season two, but I'm going to say it again because it's, it's always worth saying. There's a celebration on the holodeck um, and Riker isn't going and Data pops into him. He's inside the observation lounge and Riker's basically there going, listen, I nearly had you condemned to death like by proving you were just a robot. And, you know, like, again, this scene didn't need to be in the episode. It really didn't, but they put it in. I think it's brilliant. And Data rationalizes by saying to, uh, like, Riker says, you know, if you hadn't done this, they would have ruled against me and I would have, I'd have no chance. And Riker was saying, yeah. And then Data said, that action injured you and saved me and i always call them, i always think back to that saying you know how in the hell did they just logically get that in you know the words to suit that and put out a brilliant kind of you know moment in a series like that and like for me i'll always like when i think of any kind of happiness to do with star trek it always revolves around the next generation for me Sorry, no, that was an extremely long-winded answer. And I like it. I like it. It's on theme. Don't worry. <laughs> so what we're going to do, after all the positivity, I'm going to suddenly flip around and I'm going to ask an extremely awkward, uncomfortable, and an unfair question of the two of you, which is, which is, what is your least favorite episode? And I said specifically, you were not allowed to pick anything from season one or season seven, and you were not allowed to pick Shades of Grey. Did you say we're not allowed to pick shades I told of you that. I told the two of you weren't <laughs> you're not picking shades of gray. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Oh, okay. Fish. Shades of and you know what was funny because I was thinking of shades of gray and I was like, it's ironic that my, my answer is as lazy as a clip show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have I have I have backups. Don't worry, show. I have backups. You picked shades of gray, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I knew it. Really. <laughs> I, all I remembered was not season one and seven. Uh, but yeah, I was like, Shades of Grey. How did, how did anyone get that? That's a real case of, you know, uh, it's like two weeks to deadline. And someone's like, so Steve, how's uh, episode 24 coming on? And he's like, well, you were working on episode 24. <laughs> you know? I was like, no way. Uh, you know? wasn't, it, wasn't it the case that the budget was completely gone at that point? I think they were there going, like, we're, we're caught here. Because like most of the episode is in sick bay and then on the yeah. planet, and that's it. Well, they couldn't. It was the writer's strike. They didn't oh, have a script. Yes. Oh, yes, was yes, that yes, it? Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. So okay, because the writer's strike then, the, the, technically they weren't even allowed to do the sick bay bit. But they kind of went, uh, all right, there you go. They we're going to improv the whole thing. Um, okay, you're you're having a bad day. Go, Jonathan Frakes. Um, <laughs> that's the last episode with Pulaski as well, though, isn't it? It is indeed. It is. Yeah. 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 It's a bit of, it's not a great sign off for. Uh, no, it really uh, isn't. At least it was in Sick Bay. So, you know, she got True. that going yeah. for her. Um, all right, so we're not allowed to say shades. So I'm just going to throw this 12-page uh, note. 
I, I was literally in the car park up in Silorga to lose with you, and I said, you can't pick three things. Season one, season seven, Shades uh, of Grey. I, well, specifically... I, I remembered 66% of what you said. It's so. <laughs> close enough, yeah. <laughs> not bad. It's not bad. All right, I, I have I have others. I have others. Will I, will I go ahead? Since, yes, since... go for it. All right, okay. You remember so, the episode name now, right? I do, I do. I, I did, I did. I, did. I, I looked these ones up. So, so I, I had to think. Now, I'll be honest. I didn't rewatch the episodes because I did rewatch my, my the ones I thought were my favorite. Because obviously, it's easier to watch something you enjoy than something you don't enjoy. So, I'm going to try and remember as much as I can. Um, generally, the, the episodes I tend to to kind of not really watch uh, on my rewatches, and it's nothing against uh, the character or anything, but they're t- they're generally Troy episodes. Um, and more specifically, Troy falls for s- some some new jerk or sleaze bag because it's never a nice it's never a nice guy it's always like and i mean i don't mean nice guy as in you know internet nice guy um <laughs> i mean like a genuine nice person right yeah so i think i think it could be the price and and the reason i think it's the price yeah. generally it's not a terrible episode you know the ferengi are, are good comic relief it has it has the predator in it um it as does, in the yeah. It does yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and it has a very good Riker moment in it, but it's just the guy who plays, and I Devin think Nami Rall. Devin Nanny Rall. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're like part-time negotiator, full-time like dreamboat, <laughs> apparently. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, he's a full-time creep, but the show is trying to get his get across that this guy is a dreamboat. Okay, but and sorry, like the... do you know how much Hollywood was trying to make him into a dreamboat? When yes. Steve, when Steve Guttenberg left Police Academy. He replaced him exactly for, for uh, I actually, 25. I checked his IMDb today show. I was mm. like, what's his name is Matt McCoy, apparently. Yeah. Um, I was like, what's he up to? Is he still a creep? Uh, now, obviously, <laughs> I, if Matt McCoy somehow ever hears this, I'm sure he's not a creep in real life. Um, he's doing what's called acting. Um, and he does it very well because I want to punch him in the face so bad. <laughs> But 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 like the, his 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 introduction, I think it's the very beginning of the episode. They're having some sort of uh, gala reception. Um, so for anyone listening, if, if, if you know if you're not sure, it's the episode, isn't it? They're trying to negotiate rights to what they think is the first stable wormhole in, yep. in quadrant. Yes. Um, so they're having some sort of gala before the negotiations go ahead. And, I just remember Troy looking up and they have they have Matt McQueen with Devin and whatever the guy's name is. And he's just got like two two really attractive women, like one either side of him. And they, it's just the, the way it's framed and the way that uh, the music kicks in and everything. And, and you're supposed to take it seriously that this guy is some sort of like babe magnet. And I just can't take him seriously. I can't I just can't take uh the way that he's represented seriously um it, if i'm right as well isn't like isn't his clothes in the episode absolutely oh, atrocious yeah. even for like late 80s early 90s kind of thing everything oh, about it. so judgmental the poor man <laughs> trying to be the fashion like <laughs> and you know what he reminds you does anyone did you ever see uh the it crowd where yeah. moss joins the countdown he's like in the underground countdown club and he's like a celebrity and it's all these guys, these kind of countdown nerds. And they've got these like really hot chicks who just love countdown. Um, that's what it reminds me of as him. He looks like one of the countdown guys with these two really hot chicks. But at least the IT crowd is a comedy. So they're not they don't expect you to take it seriously. Um, but Star Trek does. And then I, I, I could never understand 
and maybe you you might know show or, or sean does the, does the episode insinuate that troy had met this guy before or she's just like yeah he's the one he's the i just i've just seen this guy and he's the one for me no not this one this is they've they've just met okay um, they've just met. yeah and she just can't resist his his boyish good looks. Well, that's um, I mean, he is a dreamboat. He's a real dreamboat. That's what I said. Part time negotiator, full time dreamboat. Um, so and and the you know the episode isn't that bad. And I know there's worse episodes, but generally these are the ones that I that I skip. And uh, there's just uh, there's the other episode. I think it's called is it the Masterpiece Society where she falls for another guy who's also a bit of a jerk. It's kind of the same, nearly the same plot. It's pretty yeah. much, isn't it? Isn't that the, the, the episode? They're like under some dome. Uh, this yeah. this right, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just don't find them engaging. Um, so, and as well, like I can't say Sobrosa because that's in season seven. So there we go. I'm going to go with the price, I think, um, because I had Shades of Grey. <laughs> I, forgot <you> said, <laughs> I forgot you said not to pick that one. Sean, so there we go. What do you got? Um, I have, I've, well, obviously I've got a few options. Um, I want to give a special mention to, all right. An episode that it was bad at the time and it's aged badly, but the Code guest star in it is brilliant. No, no, no. The guest star in it is brilliant. And that guest on her is Famke Janssen, the perfect mate. She is very good in it. The episode is so bad. I mean, it's, it's about like basically like, you know, Oh, you know, she's being transported as a, basically a trade for peace and basically should be a sex uh, toy. And um, they don't really go anywhere with it. She no. does go and marry the man. She does, you know, fulfill that duty. So it's like, did, did anyone think that maybe you could do a message behind this episode? And then you know, she's falling in love with Picard. And yeah, so I'm special mentioning that one because it is bad, but she's great in it. But no, I mean, it's up there on Ladder Show. Can that I, episode does have one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Um, it's are you I, 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 I'm very dropping for saying Yeah, it's when, it's when she kisses Riker and Riker like leaves. He he's the bigger man and he just goes, if anyone needs me, I'll be in holodeck five or something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my I, god! I did not get that for years. Like it was only years later. I was there going, "Oh my god, this is outrageous!" Minuet, <laughs> minuet, minuet. Yeah. Um, no, my actual least favorite is up the long ladder. I've tried. I've really tried. Oh yeah, it's just yeah. Fiddly diddly dod hadly. Where can a woman wash her feet on this ship? See, I um, wanted to say that episode, but it actually it just wins me over every time I watch it. I think it's too funny. Um, <laughs> I appreciate in up the long ladder at one point when they're inside in the cargo bay. I love the way Picard just walks away and just starts laughing, and I'm kind of there going, "Great, at least he's not taking this seriously either," because it's absolute garbage. <laughs> it's so annoying, like. It's it's just like yeah like yeah and 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 we did we covered it tried to find some good parts of it um there is a it becomes oh this was funny actually um the uh, once the episode aired right so the whole B plot is the other colony they're all clones yeah and uh, Riker and Pulaski are both cloned against their will and so they go and go well excuse me and vaporize those clones uh, but don't worry though because they're still in vitro. And that became a massive, you know, kind of people were going like, oh, so you believe in abortion then? And it was like, whoa, well, hang on. We were writing an insult the Irish episode. How did this become an abortion episode? Um, yeah, the writer Melinda Snodgrass was just like, yeah, I, I truly did not see this one coming. 
Um, and yeah, because Riker thinks says the line, I have the right to choose what to do with my own body. Um, and uh, obviously this was a crazy, wacky idea that, you know, um, lol. Uh, but yeah, it was just like, imagine having an idea that deep and with that much repercussions in an episode that is basically about how can we be offensive, but like to the nth degree? How mm. can we do this? I know what we'll do. We'll have pa Irishman um, physically incapable of doing anything without the women around them. Um, <laughs> and then we'll have them have a drinking contest with a Klingon. And then, oh, he has to marry at least three women. Like, what drugs were they on when they were writing this episode? <laughs> um, not that there's nothing funny in it. As an Irishman, I can laugh at myself. Don't worry. I enjoy parts of Fairhaven and Spiritfuck, more so Spiritfuck. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this one was just like, ah, no, lads. Ah, no. <laughs> there was actually two things. Like the Irish are called the Bring Lodi, aren't they? Uh, which is, for, for, for years, I thought, you've called them all balls. No, that's Leroy. That's um, no, no. The dream. They are dreams. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And in the DS9 episode, I think it's a man alone, isn't it? That um, there is, I think, in like there's a clone who's killed, and Odo says that basically, you it's still murder kind of thing. And you're going, wait a second, Riker had no issue murdering these clones in this episode here. Which just, basically, had, yeah. 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 Um, like, oh, you're right. It's so funny. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. You were, oh my God, I completely forgotten about that. Yeah. Where was he? In his quarters, apparently getting murdered. Um, yeah. And, he, and your man gets ch- charged with the killing of his own clone. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess they made their decision after the whole right to life uh, argument after this episode. So yes, Star Trek votes on the following. <laughs> um. I cheated for my last least favorite episode because you I, picked I, Shades, I, Shades of Grey. I knew it. That's why you chose. I did. I knew it. I picked Subrosa actually. Um, <laughs> I just had to pick Subrosa. I cannot. Yeah. I can't get through it, Sean. The, the, I just can't. Can I? Can I actually? Can I? Can I say something that's totally true? I, I've watched uh, Next Generation back to back for seven years, and I haven't seen Subrosa since I've been twelve. <laughs> I skip it every time. I can't watch it. I can't. No. <laughs> If I remember, it's basically and and the, the the reason is I really like Beverly Crusher as a character, but she, yep. she just has sex with a candle. I think is that <laughs> literally kind of... rides a candle. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Just just thought I'd and it's funny because it's one of my friend's favorite episodes. I obviously. But is it is it an ironic favorite episode though, Barry? Is the question. I I think he just he just had a big crush on Beverly Crusher going up, and it was <laughs> it was one of those, those it was it was a watershed moment in his life. <laughs> Um, I was anyway, going. I, 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 I was just going through the seasons, and I was just there going, "Christ Almighty!" I was there going, "I can't pick any other episode than this." I was just there going, "It's just such a like." I, I obviously we're discounting Code of Honor completely, but I was just there <laughs> going, "No," because like I, I have issues with the seventh season of the Next Generation anyway. But I was just there going, "No, this, this episode has to be picked." It's just, it's just an awful one to to to, to kind of sit through. I, I said I struggle. Every time I watch it, I think the last time I watched it took me like three days to get through it because I turn it on for 15 minutes and turn it off and go, Jesus Christ, I'll, I'll wait till tomorrow and get through. You know, I said, that's future shows so it's a problem to watch yeah. the next 15 minutes of this. So, yes, I'm going to, I'm not even going to discuss it anymore because no. uh, it's we've just... Said, we've said enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've said enough. <laughs> 
Um, okay, next question. Sean, you said this just, just before we started recording, so I'm going to let you start off with it. What is your unpopular opinion about The Next Generation? It's not my, my favourite Star Trek spin-off series. Um, I think it. I think the best Star Trek spin-off series is hands down Deep Space Nine. Now, I think Deep Space Nine builds on what the Next Gen brought. Next Gen brought sort of a modern maturity. The yeah. T- TOS had maturity. It also had that childlike uh, approach to sci-fi that a lot of kind of sci-fi of the era had. Um, and in a way, it both, obviously it, it did take itself very, very seriously. And then in a way it didn't. And I think it sort of needed to do that TOS. So then T- TNG comes along. Season one tried to, I think, do that again. And it didn't work. So once it started to take itself a bit more seriously without being as dry as anything, uh, it succeeded. And that's where I think DS9 builds from again. Now, DS9 then brought, it's not that it brought much heavier topics in. TNG was very, like it dealt with heavy, heavy topics, but DS9 dealt with consequences much more so than TNG did. So now we've come full circle again. That episodic Star Trek is, I, I think, at least we should do this at, le- at least for the time being. Um, I think uh, serialization has hurt Picard and Discovery. Uh, Strange New Worlds is doing episodic, and I think it's doing it very, very well. For, and I remember when we were watching DS9, we were being teased with, we had a three-part episode at the start of season two, six-part in season six, and ten-part in season seven. And we were oh, lost with joy. This is great, you know? And then, you know, kind of Voyager didn't do that because Voyager, with all great respect to Voyager, Voyager is TNG light. Yeah. Um, mm. And Enterprise took it to the extreme. They did an entire season of a serial. Um and I think that's when, I think it worked, but that's when they went, oh, this must work all the time. That was 26 episodes. So anyway, going back slightly to my actual opinion on TNG, I think it's fantastic. And I think it works really, really well in an episodic way. Um, I think that there's a lot of TOS in it, even though it's very much its own property. Um, it didn't, although I'm being really cruel here, it didn't translate to film as well as TOS did. Yep. Uh, which we covered obviously last week. Um, and sometimes, you know, like you, you were kind of going, now come on, like that, that's, that's something that would affect you next week, specifically the inner light, mm. you know, one of the most important Picard episodes of them all, almost and, and, is never mentioned again. And we said about chain of, chain of command as well, like at the end yeah. of it, like, you know, after he's gone through all that, Yo, join us next week when Picard goes on a wacky yeah. adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, 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 he might need to deal with this here. At least, at least he plays that flute occasionally from the inner life. Um, no, yeah, but, uh, but one one thing that bothered me, like you said, there, there's the episode where they find the progenitor race. Like yeah, they find out yeah. that this this race seeded the whole, and you think that would make the front cover of some sort of news outlet, and they're just like, oh, we'll just forget about that. It's <laughs> like that's enormous. That should be seminal trek. Like you know, yeah, kind exactly. Of- and, and and it is a great fun episode. The episode itself, I actually only watched recently, The Chase. It's good the fun. Chase, yeah. Um, and like you say, I literally never mentioned again. No, never. I, and and it's and it even it has consequences not just for humanity in the Federation, but like every almost every sentient being in the quadrant. And they're just like, let's just totally forget that and just keep going on like like normal. Yeah. Like, okay, great. Yeah, this doesn't matter. 
like when you like what what you were saying is that Sean like like with the next generation what was it that in the kind of show's bible there was to be absolutely no conflict between the characters at all oh God, and, yeah and like when you look at the pilot of DS9 emissary you've you know Picard and Cisco meeting each other and Cisco hates Picard and then you have Cisco meeting Kira for the first time and Kira just basically outright telling him you have no place here on this planet at all like and it kind of starts from there straight away. And like, you know, Odo basically hates all the Starfleet officers as well. So there was that. And then because of the space station, it had the potential for consistent recurring characters. Like, you know, a lot of season two has got to do with the the, the fallout from the Cardassian occupation of Bajor and things like that. And that, you know, helps us. Like, they're totally different, but DS9 had to be different. It couldn't just be the next generation again. Like, and I think that, you know, for me, I didn't warm to DS9 initially because, because I was there going wait a second, like the next generation is this homely, lovely, you know, place. What the hell is all this? But then years later, when I got, I, I got into it in season three and I went back and watched the first two seasons. I was there going, this is actually bloody brilliant. Like, this is so good. Like, Yeah, I really should watch it, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> every every time, every time I finish my next gen rewatch, I'm like, great, DS9, here we come. And then the next day, I'm like, encounter at Farpoint. But like, 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 I'll put it like this, like, if you watch Emissary, Emissary, I've always found, is completely benefits from kind of being a bit older, having more life experience. Like, Sean, when we do our DS9 rewatch, we'll, we'll be talking about it. But like, yo, it is an extremely ropey first season. But then when it gets into the second season, it really starts to settle down completely. And you start getting a lot of stories. The third season then, you know, starts to build on it. The fourth season then to the seventh, it's very much like, it, it's, it's, it, it is episodic, but the story kind of in terms of the war with the Klingons leading into the Dominion War and all that kind of stays. And it's brilliant. And it's just, it's bigger budget. It's bigger stakes. It's, it's everything the next generation couldn't do, which, you know, is to its credit. Um, yes, like it was, they, they've said it uh, a few times, the makers, that they almost benefited from the fact that the ratings were lower, that yeah. um, like so much effort was being put into Voyager, like Voyager was being teased in the next generation, which I didn't know at the time. I didn't understand that the Maquis were being set up for Voyager. I only oh. realized it since. Hmm. Um, and uh, like even that episode Journey's End, where they have the certainly not problematic at all. Uh, episode where the Native Americans are being basically Star Trek Insurrection, the trial run um, that was supposed to set up Chakotay in a way. And, you know, they kind of changed these things. Same with uh, Roll Aaron. Um, so, so much effort was being put into setting up Voyager that in a way DS9, which had been running for two years at this point, was just sort of, ah, just go do, do, do your thing, um, which they did. And boy, howdy, they did. Um and so we got, yeah, season one, season two, season one. Actually, I'll disagree with you a little bit, show season one of DS9. It's not the strongest first season of any of the Star Treks, but it's surprisingly good. It definitely has its ropey episodes like you're, yeah. you're not wrong, but it also has duet. I mean, I know I realize duet is one episode, uh, but it, it has like these just these standout hours. And duet is that's a top 10 episode of DS9. Amazingly, excuse me, coming from its first season. But even um, if you look at, like, if you look, see, I think some of it's, it benefits well from just even, like, the structure of the space station. Like, if you look at Captive Pursuit with Tosk in it, mm. like, I watched that recently. I thought that was bloody brilliant. And again, it's just a bottle show. It's set in the station. It has the guy trying to get out and, he, you know, Brian's helping him. I thought it was, I, I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah, it, it is. It does. It benefits. It benefits from its setting. You're right. Because even though, 
like TNG had plenty of set. You can move engineering, bridge, quarters, all of this. There's just something about the promenade that just makes it feel bigger, yeah. which of course I suppose it is, but you know what I mean? It just makes it feel like there's more going on. Yeah. Uh, and it's very funny. We were chatting recently about how in a way DS nine, when Touchwood the remaster finally comes, there's going to be some shots that promenade that probably don't age very well. Like if oh, you could think yeah. of some of the things in TNG where, you know, a Jeffrey's tube is clearly a painting. One entire yeah. end of the promenade is a painting. So I'm just like, oh, because there was even, oh, I can't remember the episode. There was one episode I was watching and you have, I think, let's say it was Garrick and Odo are walking along the top of the promenade. And you're looking behind them going like, well, that must have taken a while to paint. And I can see that in standard definition. So let alone what it's going to look like in HD. It's, it's like what you said, like when you, when, when the next generation came to HD and I remember watching it, especially the first, second season, I was there going, Jesus Christ almighty, it looks brilliant. It looks, it looks phenomenal now. And like, I remember, you know, watching it back in the day, the, in the season one, like the bridge was way too bright in season two, it was way too dark. And then it kind of started kind of getting into its proper rhythm. Like, but with DS9 as well, I think that when it goes to HD, I think it'll capture a completely new audience because like all, like it's got so many action set pieces that work really well and that just haven't been kind of as, I suppose... I suppose it's hard to watch them because you're watching it in, in standard definition and it's 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 just not as enjoyable watching it that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, Barry, I realize we're here like, you know, oh my God, DS9 <laughs> is so good. You mo- yeah. uh, But enjoy it and take your time because you will have to deal with the fact that now it is old. I mean, it's ah, been look. off the air for 23 I- years. I'm old. Yeah, yeah so uh, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate things that are old. Uh, when is the when is the HD remake uh, oh. remaster? Sorry, not remake coming no, out. No, nothing. there's no nothing. date. Because no. I mean, there's I, no I, date. It's so far. It's kind of like I think I think the head of I want to say Paramount has said that he wants it to happen, yeah. but that's that could mean anything, you know. Is it worth is it worth waiting for no. or like we could be having the same conversation in six or seven years type? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. I think if you're gonna if you're do do start it, enjoy it. It's all available. Obviously, we're Ireland, so it's all available on Netflix. That's um right. it 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 doesn't get too serialized until the later season. So it's not like right, oh my god, I have to watch season one yeah. this weekend. It's not like that. You can take your time with it. In my humble opinion, I think Emissary is the strongest pilot bar the cage. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. Like yeah. I, I do remember watching DS9 when it was being aired mm. uh, and enjoying it, but it just didn't have that sort of uh, that same comfort that the next gen, like the next gen is like that, that blanket you really like. I and think it's, it's cold and you wrap the blanket around you and then. <laughs> And then DS9 is like that new duvet you still haven't unpacked. And you're like, oh, I have to open it. I have to put a sheet a sheet around. Oh, I just use my blanket. I think <laughs> I think that's what DS9 wanted to do. I think it wanted to kind of push you away from the comfortable. I think it wanted to yeah. kind of say, like when you see a shot of the promenade, you're not going to see Starfleet officers. You're going to see absolutely every kind of kind because like it's a yeah. port, you know, kind of to go to the gamma or cheaper to the gamma quadrant and all that kind of stuff. Like, so it takes a small bit of time to get into it, but it, it's yeah. absolutely worth it when like everything just keeps tying together over the series. And like the character of Gold Dukat just goes through one of the, you know, just his entire arc from season one to the end is just, it's unreal. 
Is Colin uh, Maney in it from the first season? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Episode one, he's nearly one of the first characters in it because oh, nice. they kind of wanted that. Hey, next gen fans. Yeah, hi. Exactly. Remember me. Hi. Yeah. I use I press the buttons and make people go from here to there. Oh, 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 oh like was, you, you, you love the fact then that in every season, Barry, there's a specific episode of for O'Brien where basically they, they just make his life hell. And yeah, Colomini is just phenomenal in every single one of them. I do yeah. remember the he the the one he had to go to virtual prison. Yes, uh, he, yeah. he couldn't do not so pass dark. virtual go. God, <laughs> do do not collect your virtual two hundred. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do remember that one. I do remember that one. Um, right, that is Sean's unpopular opinion. Barry, what is your unpopular opinion? So I was trying to think. Uh, I was trying to have a think, and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna stick to my guns. I'm gonna die on this hill. Um, William Riker is not that nice a guy, and he's certainly not the best first officer. Um, and and the 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 reason there's a few reasons. Like he seems like. Let me put it this way. I'd say he's a very, if you're his friend, he's a great guy to hang out with. Yes. If you're not his friend, you don't want to deal with this guy, really. Unless, unless you're an attractive woman. Well, <laughs> on, or unless you're an eight. Well, that exception to the room is uh, poor Shelby. Oh, yes. She- oh, yeah, Shelby. Oh, yeah. She was he's an the, attractive woman. He was a dick to her. Yeah, he, he was. He, he's the kind of guy, like, as you said, Barry, you'd be kind of worried that if you brought, if you were his friend and you said, here, I'm going to meet up with a friend of mine to you know, go for a drink or watch match, yeah. you brought him along, you'd be worried that Riker would be a prick to him. Yeah, and you wouldn't you know would. why. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, no, he, he's real sound. No, honestly, he's not <laughs> usually like this. He's not usually like this. He's um, just gone through some stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, he's cool. He's cool. Uh, and and there's a couple of examples, you know, like he treats, you know, when he meets. Now, this seems to be a theme I, I noticed that it doesn't happen all the time. But whenever a character meets their doppelganger, they just they just hate them <laughs> instantly. You know, like so when he meets he meets Thomas Riker, he's just such a dick to him. It's and like the poor guy has been stuck there for seven years or something. I think it's seven years. He, he's stuck down there on his own. He's in surprisingly good uh, shape for someone that's been on his own for seven years but William Riker is just such a prick to him um, mm-hmm. and then and then there's like you know the episode Lower Deck I think it's called Lower Deck is is it show deck. with yeah. yeah yeah and again he's just like this guy is trying his best you know uh, the, the the young ensign he's trying his best and Riker just has no time for him uh, because again he's not a he's not an attractive woman <laughs> Like that, um, that scene in Ten Forward, like where your man comes over to him and he kind of says, yeah. "Hey, I was born in whatever Canada." Alaska, or oh, like no, that. yeah, Canada, because because uh, where Riker's from, Alaska, right? Yeah, yeah. And the Riker yeah. says, "I'm from Alaska," yeah. and the conversation's over. He's like, "Oh, it's, it's a lot of snow or something." Like I've been in those, <laughs> I've been in those awkward positions. He's like, oh, "I just came to get a drink," and he's got like a full drink in his hand. Um, yeah, so he's not very nice there. Um, and the, the main point I have now, I know he saved humanity, so he gets he gets some you know bonus points for that, I guess. Um, if you look at the uh, the two part uh, chain of command, so like he's a good first officer when he has someone like Picard, who l- let's face it, Picard is is one of those one in a million type of people you would end up working for. Like all the managers, all the, the seniority I've ever dealt with, no one's ever been a Picard. Right. So mm. he struck it big there. And Jellico comes in. And now Jellico, I don't like Jellico, but he's just he's more of an authoritarian type leader. He's like, I need you to do this, I need you to do this. I want you to do it now. I don't want to hear you know how you're gonna do it. I don't want to hear 
the challenges. I just need you to do it, right? And Riker, it's the first time we see Riker faced with this sort of character, and he fails miserably. He fails absolutely miserably. Um, you know, he's like, how's that four shift rotation going? And Riker's like, oh, sir, um, I meant to talk to you, you know, and, and he's all nervous and everything. It's just, uh, it's actually a lot of work. And, <laughs> and we're not used to that here. And, you know, when he gets reprimanded and everything, and, and, and I saw a very good um, Reddit post. There's a, a subreddit called, I think it's called Daystrom Institute. And it's just people kind of talking about Star Trek in general. And someone uh, asked the question, what would have happened to Riker if Picard had been killed uh, in, by the Cardassians? And it was and it was a lot of there was a lot of good, good debate. And people people were saying, you know, like his career would have taken a, a bit of a nosedive because, again, uh, it's his first time. I think the Enterprise is his first first officer role. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's his, it's only his 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 second um, captain as first officer. And he's been reprimanded. And he's he's failed in everything he's been asked to do, and he's he's been insubordinate. Um, like what would have happened to him? You know what I mean? So he's painted to be this, and Picard has full faith in him, uh, yeah. which 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 I get. I totally understand that. But it's just I think I think he's a personality that gels well with Picard. Sean, me and you discussed this. When we were talking about chain of command, and we were there going like like from you know if you hadn't watched it in years, you go, Chief Jellico was a prick to Riker. But then when you actually watch the episode again, you're actually there going, there's not a single request that Jellico makes that's actually unfair or completely mm. yo know, out of the ordinary or not something they can't do. And Riker just comes comes across a total ass towards him. Like, he yeah, does exactly. a bit. Like, uh, it, it's, yeah, sorry, you, you go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, like there's that scene where he's talking to Jordy and everything. Um, and I, I'd imagine as a first officer, you're, you're no, one of your number one duties is, is to lead by example, to set an example, we'll say. And he's just moaning. He's just moaning to everyone that'll listen to him. Um, you know what I mean? Anyone here, here, you, you there, attractive woman, come here. <laughs> and, you know, he just, he just doesn't come across very well. Now, I know he's painted to be very, uh, like, he's clearly a character that's very, um, uh, like, there's the episode, you know, is it War Games? Commander Riker's never lost. Uh, so Captain Riker, Captain Riker's Riker's never Riker's, sorry, of course. Brilliant. So, like, I mean, he's very, and he saves the, all of humanity from the Borg. So he's obviously very capable, very intelligent. He's very good at thinking on the spot. But I think that he has he has problems. Um, and then the last the last part of that would be just him and Troy. Uh, you know, like in in, and I know it's not a it's it's one of the these sort of different timelines. It's a future that won't may not happen. In um, all good things, when he's talking to to them, and he's just like, uh, he's talking to the guys. Worf's at the bar oh, yeah. on his own, and he's like, "I always just thought we'd get together." And it's like, "What was that after you finished banging everyone in Starfleet?" <laughs> you know, once I'd worked my way through everyone and came all the way back around, I thought then, then was the moment we'd get together. You know, uh, so yeah. God Riker. forbid she was to look twice at somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Devon and Raleigh, you <laughs> dreamboat. There's actually two. There was actually two things I was thinking about that. Uh, like Sean, when we were discussing the bonding, when uh, Marla Astor, the ship's ar- is it she's the ship's archaeologist, or whatever it is, and like yeah. you know, and, and she's dead, and then Data asks Riker, you know, oh, did you know her well? And then Riker goes, we uh, spent a bit of time together, and they're going, oh man, come yeah. on. And like, then not only that, but you know, we spent a bit of time together. I was done, so I ordered her on a suicide mission. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. She was getting clingy. She's like, oh, <laughs> have you met my son? Uh, yeah, yeah, after this mission, Marla. Uh, <laughs> off you go. But there's also, um, like, I noticed as well, I was watching Hollow Pursuits recently, the first episode with Barkley, and, like, Riker is down on him like an absolute ton of bricks. Like, and he just, like, he just, at one point he says to him, I'm, like, he just, like, Barkley can't even look at him in the face. He's that bloody terrified of Riker. And Riker's there going, like, I'm sick of seeing your name on report and all this kind of stuff. And, like, you know, in the way Picard put his arm around you and you try and help you out and all that, Riker in these situations, and he does the same at the start of the episode with uh, Ensign Roll, and he's basically there going, I intend to demand the absolute highest, which is absolutely fine, but it's just the way he does it, and he just comes across as you're going, Christ almighty, imagine if you made, like... Barry, you know from when we worked in the yeah. in the industry, you're only as good as your last mistake. And you'd be yeah. worried that Riker be like that, that he'd literally kill you for making a mistake if you ever did one. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't like to work for, for William Riker. Let's put it, <laughs> let's put it that way. Thomas Riker, I'd work for. He seems like a, a cool guy. Uh, but no, yeah. not not William Riker. No thanks. So that's to get you I, your own ship. I, I don't know if that's actually an unpopular opinion or if that's just the general people think this about about Riker but but considering uh you know we met Jonathan Frakes and we've always been gushing about Riker uh it only occurred in my last watch I was like this guy isn't actually that nice at all um so there we go that's my my unpopular opinion um I have two and I'm going to kind of I'm going to ask but I'm going to put it out to the two of you to answer well the first one anyway and I'll ask Sean first is is Next Generation Worf as intimidating and hard as he's made out to be? Like, the DS9 Worf is the hard man. There's no doubt about that. The First Contact Worf is the hard man. Is the Next Generation Worf really that hard? Sure, when would he have been given an opportunity to be that hard? But the amount of times the man's been phasered or hit with... Absolutely. Not like even that. a little bit. The poor man is a kitten. <laughs> yeah. And, and Absolute he, kitten. I, I love the super quote on YouTube of just Worf getting shut down. It's just it's just three minutes of Worf giving suggestions and Picard or Riker going, no, we're not doing that. Why why would we do that? <laughs> like um yeah, poor Worf. And and he does seem to get beat up a lot, doesn't he? Um, um he do, he does a bit, yeah. Like I'm trying uh, to think of, of a time that he actually he wins a fight. Um the, the fight with Duras. Yeah, I guess so. I, I suppose that's the only time he seems to win is when he's fighting other Klingons. But if, like, you're, if you're not a Klingon, you're probably going to you're gonna beat up Worf. But you look at even Rascals and like one of the Ferengi, you know, phasers him and knocks them out. Oh, yeah. And they're going, yeah. what's going on here? Like? Um, what I did always like was that sort of tension between Worf and Data. Um, well, not really with Data, but just Worf, just, you know, Worf thinks, ah, oh, he's, he's the warrior, he's this, he's that, and Data just could just snap him in half uh, mm-hmm. any, any second. Um, and there's that, there's that episode. Oh, show you're gonna have to jump in again. It's where it's where the away team goes down uh, to the power this, flight. This... Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, don't worry, I'm weird too. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, you know the one I'm talking about, and they 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 get a they get a what's what's the word not not abducted it's definitely not abducted they get a possessed possessed yeah possessed yeah yeah actually um, go on uh, show what's the ship oh yeah go on show oh Christ um Let's see if this came up in the board game now 
No, I'm on the spot now. Hang on a second. I don't was... know why I know this, but I do. Oh, feck it. Um, I can't remember. What is this? The USS Essex. I know. Uh, I would never got that. Essex. In a million years. That you wouldn't have got that. What you got against Essex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. This, actually, no. Sorry. Now that we're thinking, thinking of unpopular opinions, maybe this is more of a statement than an unpopular opinion. And Sean and Barry, I know I've discussed this with you many times. Like, how many times is Data going to get away without several oh, yeah. reprimands from Starfleet Command? Mm-hmm. About the amount of times he's gotten possessed, or he's lied, or he's done something, and it's kind of yeah. there Look, seriously, this time it's the last time. It's absolutely fine. But he took over your ship and he needed to get a child to a, you know, a Federation installation and he went off to meet his father and then his evil brother arrived. Yeah, but he's fine now. It's Everything is grand. And he impersonated your voice. Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. He'll be absolutely, absolutely grand. <laughs> but but like they just point to the amount of times he's, he's saved the day as well. And they just go, yeah, but he saved us last week. And they're like, oh, I guess he did. All right. It's fine. We'll let him be. <laughs> I love that, like, you know, because they, they'll do at some point some sort of deep clean of the Enterprise's computer. And, you know, everyone will be sitting there going like, grand, grand, grand. hold on, hold on. What, what, what's this file name clues? Yeah. Do it again. Has he done it? <laughs> oh, my God. Poor uh, he's, he's handy to have in a, in a situation apart from um, uh, here we go. I can't remember another episode's name uh, when he actually gets the wrong answer. And they get stuck in the time loop. And it was Riker who famously gets them out of the, the, the time Come loop. Come on now, Barry. You can get this one. Come on. Is it called Time Loop? Did I just say it? That's say it, it yeah, that, that's the name of the episode. That's yeah. the name of the episode. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely not the name of the episode. No, I know. I know. <laughs> um, so he's not always right, Data, I guess. What is uh, the name of the episode? Cause and Effect. Time loop, cause and effect. Same, thing. Yeah. <laughs> same as Dennis, Denise, come on. It's all the same. Um, my last unpopular opinion is I always felt that the character of Wesley Crusher in the second season is absolutely really good. I think he's works oh. really well from a point of view of, as I said earlier on, I always felt that the second season really kind of got into humanity of, say, you know, being a Starfleet officer and leadership and all that kind of thing. And they use Wesley a lot for that because they put him in situations where he has, has to do something or ask a question and it gives you a greater insight. If you look at, say, the episode Contagion, right? Now, Barry, I sent you on this a couple of weeks ago. And after the Yamato was destroyed, again, it's one of those scenes that's not really needed, but it's put in there. And, you know, they're talking about the Iconians and all this kind of thing. And Wesley's asking, you know, what were historically, what were they and all this and blah, 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 blah. And then Picard says, what are you really here to talk about? And then Wesley kind of says, like, we've basically seen a Federation starship destroyed with over a thousand people. Like, how the hell do you deal with that? Like, because Wesley clearly is struggling a bit with it. And Picard is kind of there going, like, it's because we're trained to deal with it kind of thing. Like, and it's just, it's an insight into what, you know, Starfleet officer's life is like that in situations like that. You don't have time to mourn. You still have a job to do. You still have to do your mission. So from a storytelling point of view, they use him in these situations really well. He's used at his absolute best in the episode Pen Pals. I think Pen Pals is absolutely brilliant from a point of view. Oh, of like yeah. Riker is kind of there going like, he again, it, it, it's all about leadership. Like Riker is kind of talking to a few of them, kind of saying, will I give him this or not? And they're going like, you know, should we, shouldn't we? And Riker's there going, well, do you know what? He has to try because the only way we're going to know if he's good enough is to give him this chance. And they give him the role and all this kind of thing. It's just from a leadership point of view, it's flipping phenomenal. Like Riker's kind of there going like, we're going to give you this because 
a pattern of successful behavior is going to kind of give you the ability to kind of go on from that and all this kind of thing. And like when Wesley's in charge of the team and all that, one of the, you know, they're trying to, you know, all the officers are trying to talk down to him because he's just an acting ensign and all this kind of thing. And he goes off and he asks Riker for advice. And I think it's a brilliant scene. And, right, you know, Wesley explains the problem and Riker kind of calms down. And he basically says, I just find an interesting thing. And, you know, the most important question to ask in this situation is what would, you know, what would Picard do? And then Wesley's kind of there going, like, like whatever, it's Captain Picard. Like, he says, yeah, but what would he do? And he says, he listened to everybody's opinion in that situation. But then he would make the final call, like, and yeah. they'd all respect it. And then that's perfectly then represented later in the episode when they're all in Picard's quarters and they're all having a discussion about the prime directive and they're going, do we cut off data's transmission or not? So you've, you know, it's a perfect setup and payoff mm-hmm. from saying, Riker saying, this is what Picard does. And then later in the episode, it gives that as a perfect example. And that's exactly how he acts. So from that point of view, there is other examples, but like we hear all day, if I was get into them, I think Wesley is used because like, again, we're all growing up as all the thing of Wesley Crusher's awful, Wesley Crusher's this, Wesley Crusher's that. But when you actually get older and you look back at it, in season two, I think he's really effectively used. Yeah, I, I, I've never had a big issue with Wesley Crusher myself. Um, I didn't like um, some of the later appearances from him um, when he was a little bit older. Uh, nothing, nothing really to do with Will Wheaton at all. I just felt they kind of tried. It was more they were trying to shoehorn him into a couple of episodes a little bit. Didn't feel as organic. Um but like, yeah, early, early Wesley Crusher, he never really bothered me. So that's not an unpopular opinion. You have to come up with another one show. <laughs> I gave you three, like. <laughs> Sean, your opinion on Wesley Crusher? Uh, same. But, uh, nostalgia has helped. Um, but yes, I do agree with you. In the second season, um, much like my enjoyment of the second season overall, it's better on a rewatch. Um what did you think of Wesley and Picard? I haven't I haven't been able to watch. I think I've got through four or five episodes of season one, and that's it. I can't watch it anymore. I got through one episode of season two and gave up. So I don't know. Well, okay, you've seen it, right? Is it yes. like is his appearance good or is it terrible? I liked it. Um okay. people were saying it's just as opposed to it being Wesley Crusher, it's just Will Wheaton. Um, and I can see that I, I there is a degree of fairness to that. Um, and because obviously he hosts the ready room every week after the new episodes. And that's what people are saying. It's just like watching a, a snippet from that. Um, but after I liked it um, because when they were announcing the big, you know, season three, everyone, whoever sat on the bridge of the Enterprise D is back. And he was notably not in the list. And he was mm. like, I'm not in season three. I'm not in season three. We were like, oh, okay. Oh, because he's in season two. Grant. And based on his appearance, it's fine that he's not in season three. He's doing stuff. They have addressed that. Like yeah. he is. Yeah. So I'm, I, I liked it. But yeah, people were vocal about it. Now, this might shock you. People on the internet had opinions. <laughs> no way. Yeah. What are you talking about? That? I, I was as lie. shocked as anyone. Yeah. Stunned. So I was stunned. It was uh, um, yeah. it was it was funny, Barry, because like the day that aired, Sean put up a thing on Twitter basically saying no spoilers. And I texted him and I said, look, I'm not going to watch it. What's the spoiler? He said, I'm not telling you. So I said, fine. About 20 minutes later, someone tweeted. It was great to see at Will Wheaton. Back <laughs> <in Derek laughs> I just, oh, the Internet. I said oh, that to Sean straight away. And I was there going like. 
what did this guy think was going to happen that Will Wheaton was going to respond to him and go, thanks, buddy. Thanks very much for that there now. Do you remember, show? I was bowling because I did. I was like, no, I'm going to be very good. I'm very, every week I say, don't post spoilers. So, and in fairness, show who I know doesn't watch the show. Tell me the spoiler. I will not do it. I will not break my rule. And then, of course, nobody else stands by this rule. So it's like, oh, right. Well, actually, folks, I've seen season three. And yeah, <laughs> Troy dies in the opening. Uh, they all die. Riker goes mad. It was, it was and Jordy uh, ends up captain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Worf walks was... out the shower at the end going, oh, it's really, you were there and you were there. Yeah, it was a dream. It never happened. Um, before we get into our favorite characters and favorite episode, right? I'm going to ask this, right? And you have to give me an answer without thinking too much, right? I'm going to give you a... That won't be hard. <laughs> captain, I'm going to give you five seconds each because I'll ask one of you first and then the other person will give, be given time, right? Okay, you're sitting down, you turn on your TV, you turn on Netflix, The Next Generation is there. What episode are you going to turn on? This is not your favorite episode, just what random oh. episode would you watch? Data's Day. Oh. It just always makes me laugh. I yeah. like it. Uh, the Wounded for me. And I'm going to let Sean guess mine because he knows what mine is. Code of Honor. Sue Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, would 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 it in fact feature uh, a space avocado? Tin yes. Man, yeah. gone to himself. I I I do I do particularly enjoy Tin Man. I am not going to make any bones about that whatsoever. Okay. Um, okay, favorite character, Sean. Um, oh, from from TNG. Um. Of all the shocking things to ask you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Favorite character. I mean, Ro Laren would be up there. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And TNG data. Yeah. Mm. I qualify that by going, not massively movie data. Um, oh, God, no, 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 no. Not movie data. But TNG data, I think. Um, and yeah. I think yeah, I think TNG. That's gonna that's gonna be my my pick. So Roll Aaron and uh, TNG Data. What was it about Roll Aaron you liked? Her get away from me attitude yeah. when it came yeah. to uh, you know everyone else, and to you know she was still you understood where she was coming from. Uh, she wasn't argumentative for the sake of argumentative yeah. argumentativity, um, and then her final decision again, you completely understand where she's coming from um and that's one of the reasons i really liked her and if she's not in season three of star trek picard we riot <laughs> nobody no death i think like when i was watching back some of the Rolaren episodes because there isn't that many of them like she's just such a great character because yeah. like especially like in the first episode she's in and then in disaster as well like she's brilliant in disaster she's basically there going Everyone else is dead. Let's just get the hell yeah, away from here. Yeah. And let the star drive dis- destroy itself. We'll be fine. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Well, she was just very being pragmatic. You know what I mean? And, and I like that about her as well. But what I also like about her is that she she instantly uh, accepts she was wrong when when everything is okay at the end. There's mm. no hiding away. And she's not trying to make excuses. She just, she just says, I was wrong. You know what yeah. I mean? And and she's just yeah, like, I do agree. She's a great character. Um, and uh, she's a character that has principles. And I do like that she doesn't play the game, if you know what I mean. Like, as in, 
it's the same working in an all you've got to you've got to play the politics to get far and she's just like i don't have time for that you know what i mean um like she's capable she's very smart uh but she doesn't she doesn't play the politics game which i like yeah um you know she was in an episode of seinfeld i remember watching it when she was one of jerry's girlfriend or george's girlfriends actually believe it or not the actress and he fell off my chair watching it i was like it's row <laughs> um anyway and i know like with data as well like he was completely the character i think that back in the day that absolutely everybody loved like he was obviously mm. the new spock and all that kind of thing but he was just there was just something about him in terms of like all like as we discussed sean as well he, there was kind of a wonderful childlike innocence to him but also in the same time he had an awful relationship with his family because absolutely everybody in his family let him down in some shape or form well they were evil usually I do, I do like how they dropped the whole uh, early season kind of gim- gimmicks that they had for Data, like inquiry, snoot, sir. You know, he, he kept oh. doing that, and, and it just that could have been grading if they kept that going. Um, so I'm glad they developed him a little bit. It's very funny watching Encounter Firepoint. I don't know if it, if it's in much of the uh, season one, but the amount of contractions he uses in uh, Encounter Firepoint and smiles and laughter. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, exactly. So, but again, it's just it's finding the character. Uh, the character was there. They just needed to re- refine it. Barry, your favorite character? Well, I don't want to say like I. Yeah. Okay. I won't say Picard, right? Because it's too obvious. Uh, I think my next favorite character after Picard, this is a strange one, is actually Q. Um, I always love every episode that Q is in. I think John John De Lancey is that how you pronounce it? Lancey yep. uh, is just perfect for the role. Uh, he plays that uh, that omnipotent, uh, mischievous, uh, ultimately good intentioned though. Like maybe not the first two or three two times they encounter him. Maybe the good intention isn't quite there. Um, but I just love I love Q. I love the episodes of Q. Um, like Tapestry, uh, he's just so funny in it. Uh, uh, and even the, the way it kind of comes full circle in all good things, and just the, the moments that Q and Picard have in all good things, there's there's some really nice moments in there. Um, and the relationship between Picard and Q, I, I think, is 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 one of the more interesting relation dynamics, we'll say, in the show. Uh, so without saying the most obvious it's Picard because you know Picard is is what we would all like I, I know I would aspire to to have his sort of moral compass and all this sort of thing but uh now Q is just he's just good for a laugh I know? think with the relationship between Picard and Q was it in all good things data says it kind of uh what's he say a master and his beloved pet yeah. <laughs> and then they all look at him and he's like oh, sorry it was just an analogy or something like that <laughs> Um, but, he, yeah, but even even the episode when Q uh, is a Q who when he becomes mortal and tries to join the Deja Q Deja Q mm-hmm. uh, some great moments in that uh, yeah John Delancey what a what a guy what a what an actor Sean you've obviously watched Picard season two like what Indeed is I have Q like in that like what's the because again we haven't seen so what is the overall kind of thing with him um overall. It was it was lovely to see him back and in seeing uh, he's in episode he's in a lot of the episodes but very 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 short in most of them oh. um, like you kind of get the feeling they might have 
had him for five days. Um, so great in the first episode, even though it's super short. Great in the second episode. But the second episode, you see that this is not the cue from TNG. Yeah. Um, and even as big scenes, unsurprisingly, are in the finale. And I really liked them. And Delancey plays it perfectly. And I do mean like a lot of the problems with the finale, I think, are saved by Delancey's performance. Um, there is some logic gaps that don't really work. And there is a plot point with the character that I'm still not sold on. Some people hate it. Some people like it. I'm like, mm, okay, but it does like, it needs to happen for the season to happen. Um, but there are some scenes between Delancey and Patrick Stewart in the finale that are just, they're up there with some of the best scenes of the two characters. Um, which, I mean, I un- I understand the hate for Picard. I do. Um, I don't hate it myself, but I understand that people are like, this is not, it is definitely not the next generation, nor did it try to be. Um, that is kind of, I, I will kind of, I, I tend to put that little asterisk on people's reviews. It's like, you know, it never wanted, it never said it was going to be TNG. Um, and then when you had the finale, this is hardly a spoiler if anyone's been alive, uh, mm-hmm. In the finale, you have Patrick Stewart, John Delancey, and Whoopi Goldberg. Um, there are now it, you can do with that information what you will, but uh, like there are great themes that are addressed from TNG without being too over the top about it. But uh, I've done that thing where you've asked a question. I've no idea what the question was. <laughs> um, no, I was. I, I, Delancey is in Star Trek. Picard. Yes, yeah. Does Does Q die at the end of it, or what's the crack? Or is it implied he's going to die, or what is it? All right. Well, if heavy I answer that question, we need show. to put heavy spoilers. Yeah, yeah. better actually put a spoiler warning on the uh, on the actual description of this episode. Ah, um, it is heavily implied that yes, he has died by the end of this. There is. The reason that's in question is because Delancey said that he had filmed for seasons two and three. That has since been disputed. And this scene in the end of season two is a bit like, I don't, I now don't want him to appear in season three because I think they've ended it. Oh, I think, I think, I think it's good. I think it's good the way that it is. Um, and for him to then come back, oh, actually, I'm fine now, would undercut this. Um, so, I mean, that's not to say there can't be flashbacks. Hello, Data. Um, but, uh, well, so I don't, I basically, I don't know if he's going to die and come back. There's no, like, he doesn't get run through with a sword or anything like that. It's It, it suits Q. Um, because Terry Metalis, uh, who is the showrunner for all of season three, and did half of season two, the ratings very tellingly dropped immensely during midway through season two when he left, um, came back and did the finale. And I think he understands Q and Picard, and he wrote those scenes. I think that did really well. Although, actually, uh, this is a really rambling answer, but actually, so the criticism about season two of Picard was that halfway through, Akiva Goldsman took over, right? And people were like, oh, the man can't write and he can't show run, and this is ridiculous. Akiva Goldsman is the showrunner of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It is easily the best live-action Star Trek since... It's. I'm not going to say, 
you know, since before Enterprise, because we've only had five episodes so far, but it's the best of all of the modern ones, easily. Mm. Uh, five episodes of Strange New Worlds are better. And I enjoy Discovery and Picard, and it's better than Discovery and Picard. Uh, but that's Akiva Goldsman, you know, so uh, he's obviously found his groove, I guess. I don't, did that answer the question? Does he die? Yes. yes, I think so. Yeah, I think he dies. Yeah. Um, and we actually want to tell you what. It, well, hang on. Oh, hold on. Now, show you should know the answer to that question because when this podcast interviewed production designer Dave Blass from Star yeah. Trek Picard Second Season, he answered that question definitively. He did. What are you doing? So you do, so what are you doing asking me that question? Barry, because is he I'm always not, lying to you as well? I'm not yeah, he, he, he does this podcast. all the time. He does this, he does this all the time. Oh my pure, pure and utter just lies and uh duplicitousness and chicanery. More lies. All lies. Um, right, favorite character for me, uh, Barry. I'm gonna steal your thunder here. It's like uh, for years it was Riker, then it was also Data, but then I've gotten older and it's Picard, yeah, and it's absolutely it Picard. Like a friend of mine kind of summed it up perfectly when we were younger, and he said, You watch the next generation and they get into all these situations, and he said, You say to yourself in your own head, What would I do in this situation? And no matter what you say, it's wrong. And Picard will do the right thing. <laughs> and it's the, the best way to describe it. Yeah. He, but there he, we go. That's the answer. That's, the... <laughs> that's, all, that's all you need to say, really. You're like, what would you do in this situation? I just asked Picard, hey, what, what would you do? And I just do whatever he, he says. And it's the thing is, like, you know, he, like, obviously, you know, Patrick Stewart had a massive kind of fight in his hands because we'd all been used to, you know, Captain Kirk, the, you know, man of adventure. And then suddenly we had this completely different character, like, who was all about kind of logic, reason, speeches, you know, and, and all that kind of thing. Like, and it's, you know, as time has gone by, we, you know, look back now, we completely appreciate how absolutely magnificently the character is written and all the scenes that just have him in it. Again, as I mentioned earlier on about the art, like the um, Cheaper's episode, Tashiar, what's it called again? The one where she dies? Good Lord, why can't Skin I Skin of Evil. Skin of Evil, exactly. Like, that is, you know, if it was Captain Kirk, he just would have blown up the whole planet with a load of weapons and say, yeah, that's fine, that's done. But Picard goes down and you know, tries to piss off this guy who can kill him with a flag, you know, literally would you know, wave his hand. And Picard just kind of just, you know, uses his logic and his wisdom and he just gives this incredible speech about what evil is and just completely just, you know, wins the day. The same with in peak performance when Data has a crisis and doesn't want to be on the bridge. And like, like it's great because when you watch this, Troy goes down to him, Pulaski goes down to him and you're sitting there going, I, like, what, what would you say in this situation? Picard just goes down, nails it. Just comes indoors, they're going, I don't care if you're going to be right or wrong. That's not the point. Like, you've got a role to do here. Like, and then the absolutely classic phrase of it's, you know, it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. Like, that's not a weakness. That's life. And to show how much of, you know, an impact he was having in, um, in popular culture and Sean, me and you have brought this up before in uh, other podcasts when I was in the, I think it was in fifth year leaving cert um, in my business studies book, there was a chapter on management and things like the second or third page. There was a box in the middle of the page with Star Trek, the next generation uh, the logo was there. And I was there, what the hell? And I read it and it was basically described Picard's management style. And it just basically said that, you know, He's basically got the final decision, but he'll always ask other people for their opinion. But it's in the end, it's his decision. 
Yes, there we go. That's that's <laughs> wonderful. We're stunned into silence. That's completely what shocked. Yes, that is my favorite character. Right, we're going to go on to our last question of the night. Sean, your favorite episode of the Next Generation, and why? Tapestry for the reasons I already said. Incredibly motivational. Um, it really makes you go. Listen, we make mistakes. They're not the end of the world, and they're all a part of who you grow up to be. I do remember when we met Jonathan Frakes talking to him about that episode. Do you remember that show? I do. We were, we were commenting on the size of, uh, of Patrick Stewart's forearms, actually, uh, when he wakes up in bed beside Q. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, I, I think he was saying that Patrick Stewart was working out leading up to that uh, episode. Giving away some industry secrets there. Uh, yeah, he was. Love it. It's such a like tapestry is such a it's such a great episode from a point of view of like you know the whole scenes with him when he's just a lieutenant on the bridge like and he's kind of there going what the hell is going on and he has Riker he's the meeting with Riker and Troy and they're kind of there going yeah you don't do anything to get yourself noticed really like you know you're never going to kind of move above you know the current station that you actually have here on the ship again it's another example Barry of you going back to Riker just being an asshole to yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Uh, who was captain at the time, actually, in that episode? Does it mention who's captain of the Enterprise? I think it's or Tom, it, Thomas Hall, Halloway or Hathaway? Halloway, Hathaway. Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Good memory. I don't remember that one myself. Yeah, shows isn't making that up. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, you're on a computer there. Just check it out there and see what it, uh, see I, what it says. I will. All right. Who is... Vamp between yourselves while I check. Yeah. Um, Barry, your favorite episode and why? Uh, so I, it was really between two of them. I watched both of them there the last few days just to check which one I prefer. Uh, so my second, the, the closest was Darmok. Uh, I, I was very close to picking Darmok, but I've went with the drumhead. Um, Ooh. the drumhead, um, I think it is, as we said, Picard is, is, is in my favorite character. It's, it's the best example of Picard, uh, showing how, how much of a man of principle, uh, he is and how he will stand in an adversary in in the face of adversary um no matter what that adversary is um to to champion these principles and the idea that everyone has rights and and i think what i like about the drumhead it, it, it's very um as in it's kind of the the the, the subject matter that it, it approaches is very contemporary in that we see this all the time in politicians, we see it everywhere, uh, especially with kind of Republicans, I think, in, in, in America, where they hide behind uh, virtues and they hide behind um, the idea of noble intentions to push agendas. Uh, and you really see that in, in, in the drum hand with um, Nora Satie, um, where she she speaks about how she has she's no friends she's no family but she's a purpose and and how she's just she's hounding this 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 kind of innocent uh, uh crewman um due to circumstance uh, and how then her agenda moves to to picard because picard is standing up to her and he's saying i'll fight this i'll do this and suddenly she's attacking picard like completely unrelated to to the incidents that had happened and there's this that moment when She's bringing up all these the prime directives. She's she's talking about how um, yeah, he ferried like a, a, a Romulan spy back to the Romulans, and then she starts talking about his his uh, time uh, with the Borg and and all the deaths that he caused. 
And there's just that moment where he kind of bows his head. And again, it's Patrick Stewart. Like the guy was just a gem. And he gives that beautiful speech about, um, I think it's the first link that, you know, he's talking about how the first speech is censored and, and the first freedom denied and all this and how it changes people. Uh, and it's just such a beautiful moment. Uh, and it's just that last scene as well where, where Picard is talking to Worf and Worf had got ca- so caught up in all of this. Mm, yeah. Um, and Worf is like, I believed her. And, and he says something about how, you know, villains twirling their moustaches are easy to spot. Yeah. Uh, Those who cloak themselves in good intentions are harder to kind exactly. of find. Yeah. And, and, and that last scene of them walking out and he's like, vigilance, that's the price we have to pay. We have to constantly pay. And I mean, those words are, are truer now than they've ever been. And there's just something about that episode that just gets me every time. Picard, I don't like where we're going. I don't. And he's the only one that sees it. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just such a such a well-written episode. I think as well, when you look back at the episode, the episode starts with you know, an explosion in the warp core. And in the end, that was not just proven to be just an accident. It's yeah. just a pure yeah. It's just, it's just coincidence. Um and they do, they have they have a spy, uh, this Klingon um exchange uh, officer, and he's he is doing something he shouldn't be doing. He's yeah. he's he's this, I don't know, he is something he takes taking plans for their their warp core design or something one of the, the lithium chambers, some some something technical. And he and so yeah, yeah, it starts with that and then it just it just Same moves on. And, and you're right, and it turns out and and even when presented with the facts, um she she the the Admiral Sati is is just so um so determined and, she, and and so so uh driven to push this agenda that she doesn't care about facts facts don't care about your feelings lads so <laughs> um but it's just i think it's one of the best picard episodes uh and it's 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 just it's got very strong moments in it and wonderfully directed by jonathan frakes as well that's right it is directed oh, yeah. by jonathan frakes and just to clarify as well sean what was the name of the captain of the enterprise at that point <laughs> It was indeed, half, but hands down, Thomas Holloway. Well done. Show. Go. go outside well and touch show. some grass. <laughs> As I said, I have the most stupid memory for things, which has never gotten me anywhere. Uh, which well, you you won anywhere. that board game that time. <laughs> please, please don't ever bring that up again. Um, right. My favorite episode is not Tin Man, um, is going to be Yesterday's Enterprise. Um cool the um yeah. like whenever i watch it i like it's just christ almighty it's brilliant it's you know it completely elevated the next generation from how good it was starting to get it just fired us completely into the into orbit it was it's just a brilliant episode it's great how it just changes the characters changes the dynamics it's it's all familiar but it's completely different as well like i love kind of the conversations that picard has with captain garrett about the current state of affairs the war and things like that and it's just when you look at it, you're kind of I think Sean, when we were discussing it, like and you're kind of there going like you you kind of ask yourself like what's going on like with you know when Picard was growing up, obviously, you know, Picard would have been like whatever 30, 40 by the time the Enterprise C incident actually originally happened. You're there going like what's happened since? Like how mean is this war kind of going on and things like that. I love how you know the you see just a subtle differences in character interactions like Riker and Picard utterly hate each other. And Picard has, you know, Picard knows Riker can't stand them, but Picard knows I ought to make the final call and Riker's not going to get in anywhere here at all. It's just, it's a kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of depressing from point of view of like, it's just 
it's wartime. The Federation is going to lose. The Klingons will win. And like, you can only imagine how bad that's going to be for humanity and what Earth to be like with the Klingon flag there and things like that. And then you still see these wonderful kind of bits of kind of, you know, hope in it. I love Picard's, obviously, his, you know, his speech about, you know, making sure that history never forgets the name Enterprise. I love at the end as well when, you know, the Enterprise is basically on the verge of, you know, blowing up and the Klingon commander says, you know, you know, prepare to be boarded and Picard's great line of that will be the day. The funny thing is, though, like at this point, the Enterprise is about 10 seconds away from the warp core breach, like which is going to destroy the ship. Like, <laughs> surely would know, like at this point, <laughs> you're going, man, pretty much, I probably wouldn't go onto that ship if I was you. Like, I'm pretty sure it's going to blow up in the next few seconds. And again, it's, you know, like even the, the action sequence, you know, if you had it in DS9, the action sequence would be a hell of a lot more engaging and much more interesting. Like the action sequence in this, like it goes on for whatever, five, six minutes. And like, it's just the Enterprise, the Enterprise D barely moves. And Enterprise C is slow and move, but it's just so well done. And like, and Tasha Yar is brilliant in the episode. She's absolutely mm-hmm. excellent. And like her final decision about going back and, you know, her death actually having a meaning. It's it's a uh, it's it's brilliant. It's, it's a really kind of it's a powerful moment for the character. Like, we'll see Dennis back as well. So, <laughs> I don't I don't mean that. I'm sorry that I got that wrong. <laughs> or Denise. Um, it's funny because I while I love that episode as well, Sean, it was great to see her back. I really didn't like what they did with her daughter, her Romulan daughter. Yeah, um, I I didn't like that at all. It you didn't, didn't like Celia, no? No, not at all. Oh. And it showed there's a scene, there's a scene, and it just showed that the 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 differences and uh, in acting capabilities. It showed what what Patrick Stewart brought to the the table. There's a scene where they're talking in the observation lounge, and they're talking. It's an absurd situation, you know, like oh. Uh, your mother was here she got killed then we went through a time loop then she was captured by Romulans and then you, you know like going through everything and Picard uh, Patrick Stewart is 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 just nailing it you know he's making he's making it believable and poor old Dennis is uh, is struggling with the material <laughs> that's put in front of her and you realize when she's when she's explaining her side and everything you're just like this is kind of absurd and then when patrick stewart starts you're just like oh i, I can actually believe this could happen um, so. strange enough i actually am a fan of Sila. i actually uh, i actually enjoyed uh, enjoyed her and her character myself now i liked i liked uh some of the episodes that she was in um uh especially with the uh the klingon uh connection what are the, the ursa and Bator? Mm. Uh, yeah yeah i think they're very good characters uh there was just something she didn't she didn't maybe it's i just couldn't see her as an intimidating evil character i don't know i don't know but it just didn't it wasn't one of my there's an unpopular opinion it wasn't one of my favorite things to show this <laughs> so guys that's it i'm gonna give the final words to first barry oh i have to i have to say more yeah, um, yeah. Uh, OK, well, look, no, I, I really thanks for, for having me on. You know, it's always great to talk about um, the next generation of people that 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 feel the same way uh, about it as, as I do. Well, not Sean, because he says it's not the best. So that's probably, true. It's probably the last time I talk to you, Sean. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's quite all right. I'm going to edit you out of this episode. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. It'll just be two minutes of silence here and there. I <laughs> uh, no, it's been great. It's been great talking about it. And, and like like I said earlier on, when, when we said, you know, it, it's a show that that uh, kind of it connects with me in a way that 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 other TV shows just haven't, and, and it's it's always a pleasure to talk about it and, and watch it. So so thanks for having me over. Not at all. 
Um, Sean, unless you've anything else to say, this sounds like a business meeting I might have. <laughs> yeah. I'll give everyone back 20 minutes. If I'm just going to par- park this action item until uh, next week. There, and, uh, there we go. Yeah, can we cycle that down to the next yeah. crew as well? Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Just want to make sure we're all driving at the same uh, try line here, boys. Cool. So, guys, thank you very much. Thanks to my co-host, Sean, and our special guest, Barry. I have been your host, Joe Hurley, and we will talk to you on the next episode of the Clone Star Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye.